Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show where it is Happy Horror Days uh, coming up on the show. So tonight, the Golgi Keith decided he wanted to pick something with a little bit of a Christmas horror theme with Silent Night from 2012, directed by Stephen C. Miller. So we're going to be seeing what a killer Santa can do in the little town of Cryer, Wisconsin. But, of course, I'm joined by the man that picked this episode tonight, and he definitely will not be seen eating any burgers with avocado or hummus anytime soon. So go get Keith. Oh, 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 oh. Hello, everybody. How you doing tonight? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Looking forward to talking about that later on. Of course, the great Malcolm McDowell just eating up the scenery. But we're also joined by the mad monkey himself, the Prince of Moore's Day. Ho, 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 monkey, get lucky with it. Yes, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror crew, will be coming in your ears for the next two hours. Where we will bring you horror news, nerd news, and all the other cool shit that makes Talking Terror the baddest podcast in all of the motherfucking land. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Spotify. It really doesn't matter, just as long as you motherfucking listen, baby. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, it is a white Christmas over at the Mad Monkey's house, if you know what I mean. Oh, baby. Oh, <laughs> yeah, baby. I, oh, yes, I know what you mean. I do cocaine. <laughs> do you know what the street value of this mountain is? <laughs> he was really we can sell this uncut. <laughs> Yeah, my my brother told me that you can mix it with battery acid and you can make like a whole new thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Better off dead. Uh, a fantastic movie. Uh we are uh waiting for the uh demonic dean, of course, he's running fashionably late trying to put on the Santa costume once again because he is the one that gives us our gifts at the end of the year. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's funny you bring up Better Off Dead. You know, I mean, here's like mm-hmm. a segue for conversation of all. You know, I'm one of those sure. people that just don't don't get that movie whatsoever. I know so really? many people that love okay. that movie, so many people who have tried to get me to see it so many times that each and every time I watch it, I'm always like, eh, okay, it's entertaining, but I do not <laughs> ever fucking – it's not even that I can't love it to the same level as them. I can't even, like – understand why there's this love for this film at like that level and i mean don't get me wrong i'm a cusack fan i love say anything i just watched serendipity yesterday you know for like the thousand times like i mm. love that movie um yeah. you know like i love john cusack i love everything that he brings to his roles but that one film just tends to like just it just escapes my grasp watching it is like watching like trying to hold sand and i just can't like i I can barely ever remember what the fucking movie's even about 
Wow. Okay. Um, I, mean, yeah. I, I like it. It's fun. It, you know, it, it's just one of those silly 80s movies, you know, just about a dude crushing on a girl and he just can't seem to get the girl. So, you know, I, I could very well relate because I was always crushing on chicks and no, I could never get them, you know, and oh, yeah. things eventually yeah. work Guilty. their way to where, you know, yeah, you find a chick that likes you for who you are. That And yeah, in a perfect world, that's how it works. And yeah, it's and then it's just got weird, weird, silly shit just thrown in there that makes no sense at all. Like you know, Kusa Hex Mom who can't cook with a shit and the shit that just you know crawls you across like the table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, I like like Gould said. Like I don't like say anything. I'm not a fan of that movie at all. I think that's just a pandering mess of a movie. I don't understand why people love it so much. It's like, yeah, great. The guy stands outside of a, a yard with a boombox. That's the iconic thing. But other than that, the movie's pretty bad. Like, it's just not very good. Um, I've tried to watch it multiple times. Um, but, Gould, where do you stand with, like, One Crazy Summer, like, compared to Better Off Dead? We'll see again. Like, I love the short thing. I love One Crazy Summer. You know what I, I mean? Like, the this, this all, like these, all these other fucking Gusak movies that I absolutely love. <laughs> but for whatever fucking reason, Better Off Dead just cannot be one of them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a fan of Better Off Dead. I'm, I'm the, the bigger of the fan of, of Between One Crazy Summer. I mean, it's just got so many great lines about him being thrown in the trash, the two black uh, trash men are like, who would throw a good white boy? Amanda Witt as as the 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 girlfriend that dumped him, and then you have the whole ski competition at the end, which is so fucking eighties. You know that they have a race down the side of a mountain. You know for the affections of Amanda Witt's character. That you know you have little Diane Franklin as as you know the exchange student that's just in love with Cusack the entire movie, and she's not Amanda Witt, but. You know, she's just a lovable character, and, and you know, I don't know. Uh, like, One Crazy Summer was too crazy for me. It's in the title. It's just, it's too much. You know, whereas, like, Better Off Dead is just about the comedy. It's not so much about the, the slapstick and, and you know, uh, Bobby Goldwaith in a Godzilla costume and, and doing what he does. Really? Cause let's, <laughs> uh, let's not forget, let's not forget <laughs> that in Better Off Dead, a claymation <laughs> cheeseburger uh, came to life and grabbed an electric guitar and ripped yeah. off a stunning guitar solo. Let's not forget about that. Uh, but since I no. missed the first part of this discussion, which hearing uh, titles such as The Sure Thing, Better Off Dead, and One Crazy Summer, I feel compelled to get involved in this. So uh, what were the roots <laughs> of this conversation? How did this, how did this start? Oh, I mean, uh, a Better Off Dead reference um, to the street value of a mountain. And the uh, guy <laughs> brought up about how he just can't get into it. And, you know, how he likes Cusack, but he just can't get into Better Off Dead. I personally think it's the better of the Cusack 80s movies. Um, but what yeah, do you say, uh, Dean? So, uh, the... Sure thing, I don't and, – and, and, and let's, I just want to, like, make clear for a moment uh, that I do so very much love the sure thing. But I consider it uh, as part of, like, a different world than Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, where uh, John Cusack was playing uh, two – uh, different characters. Uh, One hmm. Crazy Summer, in a way, almost plays as a sequel in some ways to Better Off yep. Dead, even though it's not. Uh, and granted, that could be the Savage Steve Holland factor, but um, I, I adore, I just simply adore both of those movies. I do think that Better Off Dead is the better of the two films, but I just yep. love One Crazy Summer. I am one of the few people that actually saw One Crazy Summer in the movie theater. Uh, oh, I. Oh. 
I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I just, I just fucking love that movie so fucking much. I mean, <laughs> like, similarly, Better Off Dead, you know, had, had absurdist characters in the same vein uh, as One Crazy Summer. Uh, One Crazy mm-hmm. Summer, maybe like a little bit more in, in that direction, but just, mm-hmm. you know, they're both just great. And cool, uh, I, I don't know when the last time uh, you gave Better Off Dead a shot, uh, but it's that also could be one where maybe uh, that's one that you had to have seen, uh, you know, in 1986 or 1987 or, you know, in that series of years when you were in the age of, you know, that where that film was not necessarily targeted to like a 12 or 13 year old age, more probably like a later teenage age. But still, when mm-hmm. when those were new movies that were hitting cable for the first time that we were finding for the first time was when, well, not you, King, but when the rest of us were like yeah. 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, I don't know if I sat down to watch Better Off Dead right now, if I had never seen it before ever, like what I would think about it. But I love those movies both. I th- and like I said, I do believe that Better Off Dead is the better of the two films, but I hold them in like equal esteem. Uh, precisely, and let's actually. Not what you said right there, I think, hits the nail on the head for me. Um, I see, I, because again, growing up in New York, like I've said a thousand times, I didn't have cable at the time. So having cable in Jersey when I first moved out here in 1990, 1991, that kind of was my introduction to John Cusack as far as films go. I didn't see any of these movies in the theater. Um, so, so for me, Say Anything was the first movie like I remember seeing a movie with John Cusack being a main character. Um, and, you know, from there, I remember seeing One Crazy Summer. All of these films were on cable rotation. I never caught Better Off Dead within that time frame. And I honestly think the mm. first time I might have tried to watch that movie, I might have been somewhere between, like, 19 and 24 years old. And just, again, it just did not oh. resonate the, the right way because I'd seen it done in other films already so like i guess for me it didn't make it as iconic as it did for people that would have caught it at around the same time as all that i try it like once a decade because everybody always brings it up and they're always like oh it's so great and i'm always like maybe i just missed something maybe i'm not seeing something so i've probably tried to watch the movie now a total of five times you know four definitely but maybe five and again like i said it's like for me that movie is like sand I don't even have, like, a recollection of what the film is actually about because that's how, like, it just does not stick in my head in any way. It's a pretty generic plot, you know. He he loses his girlfriend to the hot guy in school and he tries to win her back and then he can't, so he tries to kill himself a whole bunch of times and uh, then they have a ski race down the side of a mountain for those affections. Yeah. In 80s style. See, I think think ski (laughs) patrol and ski school and all of those things, relationship and. He loses his relationship and, and tries to kill himself uh, several times. And uh, in between uh, the ski race down the mountain, which he was able to brave uh, the K, K-12, I believe, K-12, K-2? Yes, it was. Uh, yep. whatever, K-12. whatever it was, uh, on, on one ski. But it, was, it wasn't until yeah. uh, you know, the love of a, of a good woman brought him out of the doldrums and uh, brought him back to life. So uh, it wasn't just... You're, you're forgetting a whole piece of the story. I know you're not the most well, yeah. romantic guy in the world, King, but uh, there was an element no, no. Of, of romance <laughs> and love that Lane Meyer experienced, which brought him back to life and rebuilt his confidence, both uh, through the rebuilding of his car, 
uh, that sat, you know, dying on the lawn, as his father said, for, for two years, uh, as well <laughs> as the continued practice washing. of the skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Diane Franklin was a great uh, uh, actress to be the, the love nurse for him, you know, in that interim. You know, she's very sweet, and she has a stalkerish fat guy that was always trying to honk on her with his parents and, you know, but I mean, I forgive that hamburger sequence because it was fucking Van Halen's Everybody Wants Some of Women and Children First, one of the greatest fucking rock songs ever. So if it wasn't another song, I probably wouldn't like it, but because that's one of my favorites, I forgive the the Claymation hamburger sequence because it's got that song in there. I mean, how can you not fucking just stop bopping, you know, when you hear that fucking song, that opening lick by Eddie Van Halen, holy shit, you're in for some shit where he does a Tarzan voice and oh man. I, I can talk all day about and, fucking everybody and wants please, stuff. And please, please uh, let us not forget, uh, and we talked about absurdist characters. Uh, we had the uh, the two Asians who were constantly stalking Lane oh, Myers yeah. throughout the movie to challenge him to a car <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's not forget that the passenger who only oh, knows his that. English uh, from watching <laughs> Howard Cosell is played by yeah. none other than Chosen himself from Karate Kid Part mm-hmm. 2 and Cobra Kai Season three. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never forget <laughs> yeah. the Howard Cosell no. voice putting on their football. Head. I actually remember this. I actually remember that now. You know what, Dean? That sparks my memory. I think at one point <laughs> we actually watched this movie together really fucking high. Yeah, I probably was like, dude, you got to see this. What do you mean you don't like Better Off Dead? We're going to fucking watch this movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, dude, uh, the, the passenger, the one who had the microphone talking like Howard Cosell uh, was chosen. Oh, and again, this, <laughs> I'm seeing this viewing like in your bedroom, hanging out probably after like a night at the lands or something, man. Probably. Probably something That's like that. That's great. <laughs> but okay. Uh, moving on from that, does anybody have anything they want to talk about before we get into horror news tonight? Uh, yes. yes, I do. Uh, you know, just to, just to end that uh, conversation <laughs> or note, I feel on, on a quick note, I feel like the uh, before – uh, John Cusack started to kind of transition into, you know, I don't want to say more adult fair, but leaving, but get, getting out of the realm of playing like the kind of misfit, off-centered uh, teenage loser love interest, such as uh, the sure thing. Well, sure thing, he wasn't really a loser. He was, he was, he was more confident, kind of cocky dude. But yeah. um, uh, better off dead and uh, one crazy summer. Uh, after those films, there was another. Uh, film, which is I also do not think is as good as the previous three, but I also love so very much uh, from 1987. Uh, that's called Hot Pursuit, uh, where he plays, uh, you know, a, a boyfriend and, and he's going to fail his class and uh, his girlfriend is leaving on vacation and he can't go even though he was supposed to. And then he finally is able to pass his test and like sets off on this adventure to like track his uh, girlfriend's family down in the Caribbean and ends up in one misadventure after another. Uh, also, I, I do highly recommend that one. Also, it's it's great fun. I don't know if anybody's Go, seen it. Well, I well, have not uh, heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's called what, Hot Pursuit. What, I haven't hmm, seen it, but it's got Robert Loggia in it, doesn't it? Yes, Robert Loggia, uh, Ben and yeah. Jerry Stiller. Uh, yep, I remember Keith David. Now. Yeah. yeah, Keith David. Um, and some other familiar faces, um, but I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of that one also. Yeah, I, and I, I love vaguely Robert. remember that one. Yeah, that's yeah. I also I have to revisit that one. I vaguely remember details from that. I think Robert Loja played like a pirate, 
I think that's what it was. No, like, he played a pirate, he, he but he played a, a boat captain. He was a boat captain. Um, but uh, not a pirate. <laughs> no, like, no, no pirate. Like, uh, maybe. <laughs> I thought it was kind of like Rip Torn's character from uh, Summer Rental. I think I might be getting confusing. Yeah, I was going to say, you're thinking of Summer Rental, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no pirate. Yeah, He's more like just like a salty old, a salty old sea captain, but not, not a pirate. Okay, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's a great poster, by the way. But yeah, no, I'm thinking of Summer Rental and Rip Torn. I get them confused all the time. Sure. <laughs> all right, so yeah, Monkey, you said you, you had something? Yes, I wanted to sit there and talk about how the trailer for Spider-Man Across the <laughs> Spider-Verse has dropped. It's hmm. an animated sequel to uh, so- Sony's last animated adventure because it seems like Sony is not done with multiverse action going on <laughs> for our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And, yeah, it looks like they're continuing the adventures of Miles Morales. And this is saying across um, across the Spider-Verse Part 1. So, Ooh. you know, we'll see how this goes. Either way, I'm excited. I I enjoyed the last one. Again, thank you, Ghoul, for telling me to check it out. You know, it was oh, fun. Yeah. It was, you know, well animated. And the, the movie went along really, really well, really nice pacing. So I'm looking forward to what they do with this new one. Uh, I think the part one thing is just for the trailers. There's a part one trailer, and then there'll be a part two trailer. Um, ah, up okay. in, in, into the whole thing. I don't think the the film itself is going to be a two-parter, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I try to keep my, my details limited on shit like that, but I was pretty sure when I looked up the trailer for it, it said part one, and then I saw another link that said part two to it. So, um, But, yeah, oh, I mean, I, okay, I, I watched you. it, which I guess plays off more like a clip than it does uh, an actual trailer. Trailer. And yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they're, uh, you know, they're just going to continue along the, the, the lines of what they're what they were doing originally. But I don't know. I, again, we've got Spider-Man next week. Um, excited yep. about that. You know, have uh, I, I've got we have our tickets. Um, you know, we nailed those. I also got my tickets for the uh, for the Matrix movie, so so that that one was a little bit easier to get. There's just just me and my friend Louie are, are going to be in the theater for that one, or at least as of right did now, you, anyway. Oh, did you have to get go into fisticuffs to get your Spider-Man ticket? <laughs> no, not at all. I just have to go into the AMC app and, and get my three seats, man. <laughs> Go. We're yeah, going that, on that uh, what, uh, uh, on the 16th, uh, 4 o'clock showing in 3D, uh, you know, row three. We're right there. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. It's, uh, it's going to be a good time. Me, me, Zach, and Sam. And uh, we'll finally see what all this, uh, this, this hubbub is about. See if, uh, yeah. see if Toby shows up or Andy shows up. Ooh. Hey, Andy. Ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> hey, Andy. Uh, the other Spider-Man. Dean's getting a boner now. He's getting a fucking spider boner. <laughs> so that is, so that is. Especially that it's, there's going to be yeah. a trailer. That the trailer is out, but there's going to be part two of the trailer. It's 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 really exciting. It well, is. Well, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. That's yeah, something it, else it, entirely, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the the yeah. dean's got his Peter Tingle going on. Um, so did you yeah, score no. tickets for Ghostbusters? Peter Tingle. Did you, <laughs> Dean? Did you score tickets for Ghostbusters yet? I have not yet, no. Well, let me tell you how it okay. is. Just so you don't have to worry about it. 
I'll just I'll fill you in on the last 15 minutes, and that way you don't want to work. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but, no, yeah, it's Spider-Man No Way Home next week. Uh, also, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley comes out next week, so I'm definitely getting tickets for that. So, uh, yeah, double feature weekend. I'm kind of looking forward to it So because I, I really want to see Nightmare Alley. So now that I know it's coming out in the 17th, I, I might do a double feature. That's No Way Home and, and Nightmare Alley just to get that in. Matrix I'm on the fence about, but definitely Nightmare Alley. Just because I've been waiting for this movie for like a year. So and it's finally happening, and it's just it's going to be exciting. So two movies, one weekend. What better way to end oh, the year? Yeah. <laughs> well, I will definitely be able to give – I will give you guys a spoiler-free review of Matrix because I will be watching it on Wednesday the 22nd. So I will uh, well, watch go. it, and then I – I could come in and give you guys the information and the skinny as to whether or not it's the real deal or if it's just a <laughs> Give us that hot goss. Give it to us. So looking forward to it. But, the right. tea. <laughs> so, yeah, spill that tea. Spill that Matrix tea. All right. But, all right. So, Dean, uh, we've got some hard news. What's going on? What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, let's see, man. Wow. What an exciting, eventful week. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about how Nicolas Cage uh, himself has joined the cast of the upcoming Renfield alongside Nicholas Holt. Uh, but another cast member has been announced, uh, a performer uh, who goes by the name Aquafina uh, has joined mm-hmm. the cast oh. of Renfield. Uh, details Jeez. of this character have not yet been revealed, but if you are fans of Aquafina, this will be another chance uh, to quench your thirst with her appearance on the big screen. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like her series on Comedy Central, Nor from the Block. I mean, it's, it's a fun series, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll give it a I, d- I, d- I just don't see how she's going to work into this. If they're like, if I'm here, Nicholas Cage, and now this, I'm wondering if they're even really trying to be serious about this movie, man. Mm, no, I mean it's about Renfield. <laughs> you know how how serious can you possibly get about a character that's just fucking being obsessed with one man and eating bugs? I mean, it's not a lot of story there. <laughs> I, I think they're going to have to figure I've it out. I've never watched. I've never watched a series, so my my experiences with Aquafina have been with Crazy Rich Asians and, and Shang Chi. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep, you know, and I, mean, I find her entertaining. She gives me a giggle here and there, uh, but I have also, because of those experiences, and you know, obviously, I've seen that she has a show. Um, so I, I, it seems like that is the character that she is always playing. Um, yeah. So that kind of makes her very <laughs> one-dimensional. So yeah, I guess if she's in this, I guess yeah. The question is, is is are they bringing her in just to to do the Aquafina thing? Or is this her maybe trying to, to actually perform a, a role and getting into some serious acting here? Either way, like I said, I thought she was funny as shit in both of the films. So, you know, Crazy Rich Asians is a fantastic movie, a lot of fun and very yeah, funny. Yeah, and, and I love Shang, Shang-Chi, so I'm good with both. There we go. So let's see what uh, happens with Renfield and Aquafina. All right, so what's next thing? What do you got? <laughs> Renfield we'll, and Aquafina. We'll find out. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, two names you never think you'd put together, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then Nicholas Cage Mark walking into the middle of it all. <laughs> Anne Rice of Interview with a Vampire fame 
uh, has a uh, written something called the Mayfair Witches, uh, and it's been announced that it has gotten a straight-to-series order at AMC. Uh, there will be eight episodes of Mayfair Witches. Uh, they started out as a writer's room project uh, for AMC. I guess they have something called the writer's room where they hash out scripts for things that they potentially want to be involved in. And uh, they've been working on this for the past three months. And now AMC has announced that this is a script following their AMC script to series model. Uh, eight episodes of Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches. I do not know what the Mayfair Witches are about, uh, but perhaps you do, and perhaps you're interested, and you will be excited to see this when it hits the small screen. Yeah, this hmm. series came out at around the same time as the Vampire books. Um, and yeah, my ex-wife really, really d- dug those while I was reading the Vampire books. You know, it's definitely a different taste uh, and style of writing than what she was doing with her vampire stuff. Interesting. We'll we'll see what uh, turns out with that. I think they're trying to make like a universe. I know that uh, was stats getting a series on AMC and then you have the Mayfield witches. So I think they're trying to do like a weird kind of Anne Rice universe, which I don't know if we need. I mean, I'm not a big, the rice universe. The rice universe. There you go. Yeah. The anniverse. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I, just, I never liked them. I, I didn't like Interview with the Vampire. I wasn't a fan of Lestat, you know, back in the day uh, with Aaliyah. I, I don't know. I, I don't like them. I just, there's there's a, a boundary of sexiness that you could take vampires in. I just didn't like it. Plus, Tom Cruise. No thanks. <laughs> Walking around, just, you know. Like, oh, look at me, Louie. I'm the stat. You're so short. <laughs> I, I enjoyed him as, as the asshole that he was. It's like, you know, because we got to see Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. <laughs> probably, yeah, that's yeah, probably how he is in real accurate. life. <laughs> that's probably accurate. Just like, you know, four foot 11 Short. and smiling the entire time. <laughs> you know, with his curly blonde hair. <laughs> Trying to get the other vampires to convert to Scientology. <laughs> Just handing them pamphlets the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God, Lestat, another pamphlet. That's right. That's right. I'm Lestat. <laughs> Stop it. You're Tom Cruise. You know I'm a vampire now. I'm totally in the mentality. Opens his coffin. More fucking pamphlets? Really, Lestat? <laughs> What's John Travolta doing here? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, oh God! Bring as an Anne Rice, as an Anne Rice vampire. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, I've watched that. I would fucking so watch it. Like, like, oh my God! Like, it's it's Victorian era England. And I'm like a vampire over here. Oh my God! Like, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Should I bite the guy or should I bite the girl? I don't know. What's his name? <laughs> it would be the greatest, and I would buy that ticket right now. <laughs> Did you know I'm a pilot in real life? Oh, my God, over here. i got to get into a coffin. I'm going to be one of those sexy vampires. <laughs> oh, my God. Sandy. Him just, <laughs> him just fucking dancing around the entire time in a laser suit and a cape. <laughs> You're the one that I want. In the background. Ba-ba, <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, my God, I was just trying to go to the disco back in 1977, and the vampire came up and totally bit me. 
I was like, up your nose to the hose, and now, no, God, I'm a vampire now. And then Tom Cruise is with me. Yeah, anybody want to join Scientology? No, geez. <laughs> no, John Travolta, go home. Uh, yeah. If they make that Anne Rice movie, I'm on board. I'll buy the T-shirt. I'll buy the book. I'll buy the movie on two different DVDs and Blu-rays. This is the greatest vampire movie ever. It's Travolta walking around confused for two hours about being a vampire. <laughs> and then he just dances for like a half hour. Oh, man, if only we could well, use George Lucas te- technology to stand, <laughs> make a CGI tra- 1970 John Travolta. Well, then work well, it yeah. Speaking of greatest yeah. movies ever, sorry, sorry, I kept, I kept meaning to interject with this. Um, you, you guys reminded me with all of this, this, this talk. Um, speaking of greatest movies ever, dance numbers, chanting, and all that stuff. Uh, tonight and today is the last day to actually catch Halloween Kills on the Peacock Network. Um, so if you want to watch it and you have Peacock and you have not watched it yet, or if you just want to watch Evil Die again, tonight is the last day to do it on Peacock. <laughs> Tonight? Oh. Tonight. Yes. Halloween Kills ends tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm wrong. Not tonight. To the 13th. My bad. The 13th is oh, the last yeah. night. I'm so sorry. Hey, what the fuck? I think that's yeah, the yeah, last night. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You had to be upset for a second. He was like, he's got to get it. This is why Halloween tonight with the, with the wider digital uh, release. I think that's what – I think it matches – um, the digital release of the the extended cut and and all that. Oh yeah, the yes. extended cut. Seventeen more minutes. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> the un, uncircumcised Halloween kills. It's extended. <laughs> that's when you, that's when you find out. That's when you find out that the lady with the iron actually had a scene. <laughs> oh yeah, she got a hit on Michael with the iron. Or yeah, it's just she had a 15 backstory. minutes of Tommy running. Yeah. It's just Tommy <laughs> running around Haddonfield screaming at fucking people. We got to kill him tonight. The fuck is that guy? <laughs> Arm up. Arm yourselves. Like, okay. We're going to go home now. Don't go home. It's not safe. Okay. You know, some of that stuff, some of that stuff in Halloween Kills, I feel like would have worked uh, a little bit better if they had given any indication in Halloween ends that there was anyone else in town uh, that harbored uh, these long-term feelings the way that they showed uh, Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace and Nurse Marion, you know, in the bar that night, because uh, in the first, in the 2018 Halloween, uh, they just made it out as like, Jamie Lee Curtis was the one fucking maniac psycho in the town living out in the woods. Uh, mm-hmm. still dealing with all of this. Like, she was, like, the town crazy. Uh, and then, like, all yeah. of a sudden, the whole town is like, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> we have to stop this. When, yes. uh, you know, so I feel like that was one little tiny thing that they could have given an indication that there was some threat of this in the town. Like, that it just, like, appeared all of a sudden in, in Halloween ends. I mean, Halloween, and I mean, they yeah. 
they could have done it real easy, too. I mean, you could have even interjected some of the kind of shit that happens in real life. Like, just a couple people protesting the fact that they were moving Michael from the fucking asylum to another right. location. <laughs> you know, just little things like that. They at least show you that the public at large knows that it's going on. Just like, you know, I mean, to bring it up, like, I, I finished off that Get Back series on... on Disney Plus today about the Beatles. You know, today is, is the, the anniversary, the 31st anniversary of John yes. Lennon's death. Um, you know, and every time that Mark David Chapman comes up for fucking parole, you always hear about it. You know, so you would think, like, mm -hmm. those are the kind of little things that would happen when you have somebody as prolific as a fucking major murderer as Michael Myers was in Haddonfield. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, what a guy that killed three people. 40 years ago, and the town's fucking incensed by this. Like, remember back in 78, you killed those three people that we never met or heard of? Fucking right, man. Let's kill them. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, and, and having lost, Tommy and Lindsay, man. just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. As, as people, having Tommy and Lindsay who are the most unaffected characters. Town, as, I know mm -hmm. you're from the same town and everything, but you were a different age at the time. As people that were from the, you know, from a town, me and Dean know, you know, we had that, that kid yes. who killed that little girl in this town and that was yeah, quite a major you know. thing and it was and when that kid ended up fucking dead in jail that became a thing you know i'm sure if they turned around and were like hey we're gonna try to parole kevin aquino this town would have probably been like hey you know what you know maybe not a lot of people but i'm sure there would have been a a, a contingency of people that kind of would have been like eh i don't know about that yeah yeah it would have had to have like, been you know, a like, contingency yeah. of people uh you know one that still live in the area and Mostly, like, kind of that greater, I know that the neighborhood over there by, by the library, uh, you know, where they all lived, I can't remember the name of that particular neighborhood behind the library, but I still consider that whole swath of, like, Taylor's Mills Road, Route 9 light up to where, um, you know, like the Wegmans is, like the greater Mammoth Heights area. And, you know, obviously that was a thing that affected the entire town of Manalapan, but more so in that general specific area. And, you know, it, it, if families, you know, still live in those homes, because like, you know, people that were our age still living at home with their parents, like, you know, a lot of the parents that lived in those houses at that time uh, have moved down 33 to all the 55 and overs. And, uh, you know, some people our age have stayed in Manalapan and are raising their families there. But, uh, that's so long ago already. Like you don't know in a town as big as Manalapan how much of the population uh, is still the same to where that had such an impact. But there would be some. I don't know to what degree, uh, you know, that would cause any kind of speaking out or or protesting. I really have no idea. It's inter it's an interesting question, actually. Well, one will never find out. No, yeah, in of course we'll never find out about it. You know, Manalapan has had so much growth and so much change in the last uh for for almost 30 years since that took place what that happened in 1993 1994 1993 right early 94 1993 it, it was 93 or 94 one or the other man right i can't even remember if we were driving yet we weren't that night cuz um, we were going to hang out at a 13-year-old's birthday party. Sounds well, fun. We were only. 
I was only, I was still like 15 or 16 at the time. Remember, you were a little bit older than me, and you and Jay were closer in age. I was, uh, yeah, uh, she was only, like, uh, again, she was like uh, two, maybe it was her 14th. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't fucking remember, man. But, yeah, it was, it was 93 or 94. March 6th. I got it. I got it. Uh, March 6th, 1994. I didn't have a driver's license yet. Oh, wait. No, I must have. I got my license in 1993. Yeah. But we were walking because we were sloshing big time. Because we were fucking drunk. Yeah. yeah it, it, That's what I'm we were responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way. I mean, I think we could yeah, all that was agree March, that, March, but, uh... 6th, March 6th, 1994. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, it, it, the movie was just silly. And I don't know. Having Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace, who are the least affected of everybody that Michael Myers confronted that night, you know, they're the ones to be spearheading the fucking campaign. So, you know, evil dies. And I don't know. It's just like Tommy Doyle is just like, he's the guy that just fucking waited for it. He's just like, you know, one of these days he's going to get out and I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck it on. Like Lori trained for 40 years and she's still fucked up. And she had traps in her house. Like, you know, Tommy Doyle is just running around half drunk with a baseball bat, like confronting people at gas stations who are just trying to go home. <laughs> it's just, every time I think about that, it's, just, it's crazy. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going home, and Tommy Doyle was like, no, grab a fucking gun, man. Like, have one. Like, no, I don't want one. What a love, what a love for Tommy Doyle to be like a trained martial artist or something like that, you know? <laughs> have a bust the rhymes fight at the end. Trick or treat, Michael. And all of a sudden, he just fucking roundhouse kicks him in the face. Because he's studying yeah. at Cobra Kai Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> no mercy. Everybody thought I was a nerd in high school, but I was secretly training my basement. Hitting that punching bag every night, thinking about Michael, just waiting for the day that I could just kick him in the mouth, and I got my chance. Well, like, fantasizing about Chuck Norris and shit, you know, like Jonathan Brandis. Maybe that'll be the 17 minutes that we're going to get in the extended cut. We see Tommy Doyle as a teenager just fucking kickboxing in his basement, just oh, waiting for the day Michael escapes. It's a, oh, he has a Rocky montage of him working out. <laughs> oh man, you know it's going to happen. And then Lindsay's going to be like, Tommy, you got to stop obsessing. He's like, shut up, babe. Got to lift more weights. Got to get more gains. Michael's coming. No, he's not. He's being silly. Stop it. Don't interrupt Michael's my coming. Video, it's Lindsay. so my. <laughs> Tommy, you don't have a dojo. Then I he Get out of the dojo. Because <laughs> he definitely would call his basement a dojo. This version of Tommy Doyle would definitely call his basement a dojo. And you would have a, a Japanese flag hanging up like uh, the character from Part 4 and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street did. For no reason. He's just fucking in the garage. <laughs> the rising or, sun flag. Like, Hell yeah. Or it's going to be 17 minutes yeah. of him doing bird whistles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not tonight, buddy. I'm going to tell you all about Michael Myers for the next 20 minutes, so buckle up. Oh, Tommy, not the night to do it, man. We just wanted to fucking well, I mean, watch three people his, badly think of He got all of his practice in Edward Scissorhands, you know what I mean? He just literally reprised that role, that's all. Yep. <laughs> that, that would be even better if that was like his side story. The guy grew up in a fucking town out of Haddonfield. There was a guy with fucking knives on his hands, and he cut edges <laughs> and shit like that. The guy sucked. You know, he was worse. You mean Freddy Krueger? No, his tonight. name was Edward. <laughs> 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 and he was goth before goth was cool. But anyway, he sucks. Edward Scissorhands dies tonight. <laughs> no, no. Nobody goes home. Like, I, don't, I don't know who that is. doesn't matter. I'll tell you about it. Sit down. 
20 years ago to the day. He massacred a bunch of hedges, ruined people's lawns. Halloween ends. Menace to the community. And all Tommy wanted to do was to make a lamp where the trunk worked. All he wanted to do. Are we still going to be friends after tonight? If I see you in the hallway, you're going to be like, yeah, we killed Michael Myers last night? Or are you going to ignore me? I don't know. I guess we'll be friends, Tommy. Cool. I really don't connect with you guys. I'll see you in my dojo. You mean your basement? <laughs> Shut up, Lindsay. <laughs> 17 minutes. That's all it's going to be. Just Tommy fucking being an asshole. <laughs> all right. Moving on from that, Dean, what else have you got? Speaking of Halloween kills, oh. it was announced that uh, <laughs> Kyle Richards uh, has signed on to reprise her role as Lindsay Wallace for uh, Halloween Ends. Oh, I thought that was an appropriate time to mention that. <laughs> she had so much to do in Halloween Kills. This gets carted away and you never see her again. She's going to be the one at Mixed Bar next year. Let me tell you what happened last year. Picture it. Well, 2018. Well, no, Halloween. Don't, don't we know it takes place like an undisclosed amount of years after the fact? Four oh, years. That's true. It'll be like ten, four years later. She's at Mixed Bar going... This is what Tommy used to do. This is what Tommy. Anyway, let me tell you about Michael Myers in 2018. <laughs> do it for Tommy. One of ourselves died that night. <laughs> Tommy would have wanted it this way in his dojo. I called it a baby. He called it a dojo. It was our thing. But anyway, yeah, Tommy, this is for you. Anyway, 2018, picture it. We killed a fat guy that looked like the penguin. It wasn't Michael Myers. Our bad. Anyway, I wasn't a part of that because I was in the hospital. But Michael, yeah, he, he totally got his ass kicked. And then Tommy died valiantly, screaming evil dies tonight as he got beaten to death by old Huckleberry. You had to be there, guys. I wasn't. I was in the hospital, but I'm here now to tell you the story. Aren't you guys glad? Dude, we just want a drink. You, we'll get to it. I have more story to tell. Great. All my friends are dead. Well, get her off stage. <laughs> All right, Dean, any more Halloween kills or Halloween end news? Uh, no, I don't believe I have anything else on my list surrounding uh, the Halloween franchise. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Jordan Peele, professional silence, uh, has finished <laughs> yeah. filming. Uh, at this time, Jordan Peele's third movie uh, has the simple title, Nope. Uh, it's wrapped. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love the fucking title. Nope. Uh, Ticket bought. This film, yep, uh, Nope, has been shot on uh, Kodak film, including some sequences in 65mm IMAX format. Uh, details no, it wasn't. About nope. De- details nope. Uh, about this film are still under wraps, but, quote, uh, it will follow in the same vein as the past two directorial efforts, uh, terrifying and subversive tales full of socially conscious thematics, uh, socially conscious thematics in regards to race and society. Uh, this has a current release date of July 22nd, uh, 2022. Uh, so no, uh, July of 2022. And also in the world of Jordan Peele, 
uh, right now, uh, his Get Out uh, film, the script for Get Out, has been named the greatest script of the 21st century uh, by the Writers Guild of America. God. Even though we're only, you know, 21 yeah. years into the century. <laughs> you know, only, only, you know, 79 years to go. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know how they came up with that. Where they're like, yeah, out of the past 22 years, Get Out is the greatest screenplay ever written. I was like, oh, all right. I mean, cool. You know, I do like Get Out, but I, I don't know how they pick it. Oh, give me a break. It's and like pandering. <laughs> I'm sure. Call out, it's, 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 it's called pandering, man. Like, hey, <laughs> let, let's just say it's that. This way they're happy with us. I don't know. I, it sounds like it. It definitely does sound like it's pandering. Like we're like, oh, it's, it's the greatest. Nothing, nothing will ever be get out. You know, like I've had 22 years. That's it. Like, all right. Yeah, great. You know, but no, no, no. It's fine. The only other script that could have been just as bad was that Asian movie about that family that lived with that other family. <laughs> oh, uh, what was yeah. that? Yeah, Parasite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough to see that. Yeah, it's like because I, I do love seeing on the forums like the the fucking little racist kids that are out there. It's like you know why does Jordan Peele always have to put race into his shit? It's like oh, uh, why not? <laughs> like why are you getting upset about it? <laughs> if you don't like that shit, don't fucking watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. I mean, you know, it, it's fine that they picked it. It's fine that it got the recognition it deserves. I don't know. Just to me, it was it was a good. I preferred Us over Get Out. I thought Us was the better movie, but I'm in the minority with that too, though. You know, I know a lot of people say the reverse, but I don't know. I, I like Jordan Peele, uh, and I can't wait to see Nope. I found Us to be the more entertaining of the two films. I found Get Out to be the better story of the two films, though. So. Yep. Nope. Yep. Yep. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Okie dokie. We just watched we just watched the richer episode of uh, of South Park the other day. So so race was all yep. over that one, man. It was fucking funny as hell. Token was tired of being the only rich kid in town, so he, he called Will Smith and all these other people, and they all came in. So everybody was all mad about all the richers being around the town. <laughs> Too many richers in town. It was making it bad. Oh, oh is that the one wow. where? Uh, where Puff Daddy and Snoop Dogg sounded white when they were talking on the phone. Like, hello, Snoop. How are uh, you? Yes. Hello, Puff. Uh, yes. Well, yes, because they're, they're, yeah, they're wealthy. Yeah, I remember that one. I, I like the uh, the one where Token didn't know he could play bass until Cartman told him that he can't. There's got to be a bass in there somewhere. <laughs> it's like, I, hey, look, there was a bass in my basement. And yes, you could play. got to be a bass guitar in there somewhere. Bass. Uh, that was one of the funniest fucking lines in that episode. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking days. of Snoop Dogg, you know, he got him in the episode. Samantha's like watching it with me, and I'm like, oh, it's like, ha, that's funny. There's Snoop Dogg. She looks at me, she goes, wait, Snoop Dogg's black? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> wow. I go, yeah. I, I, I go, what, what, what did you think? She goes, I thought he was tan. No. What is tan? <laughs> <laughs> like a tan white guy? <laughs> I, I guess. I, I, I guess so. I don't know. Kids, uh, man, they're, they're awesome. Awesomely funny too. <laughs> All right, Dean. What do you have next? 
a good question, Ken. What do I have next? Thank uh, you. Ah, the new Texas go. Chainsaw Massacre, uh, which yeah. is coming to Netflix on February 18th, 2022, uh, which is following the Halloween uh, form with a direct sequel taking place uh, like 50 years after the events of the first film. Uh, it's also been announced that uh, even though uh, Marilyn Burns has passed away, the character of Sally Hardesty is returning uh, in this film uh, to, I suppose, once again uh, do battle with the Sawyers. Uh, but February 18th, 2022, uh, the new Texas <laughs> yeah, Chainsaw direct sequel will hit Netflix. And they say even though that this is a direct sequel, that it, there will still be um, stuff, I guess, uh, from other sequels sprinkled in there. I don't know if you're considering those to be Easter eggs or things related to the plot or whatnot, but uh, that seems to be the case for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, yeah, they, they did release the, the teaser trailer for it, um, you know, and character images and a silhouetted image of Leatherface. Uh, like the biggest thing from the teaser trailer is that he's going to be using the Poulon 306A that he used in the 74 version. So they're kind of trying to bring that back where it's like the classic chainsaw is back and that's what he's using. But I, it just sounds so convoluted. Like they tried it in 2013 with Texas Chainsaw 3D. The best part of that movie was the opening. And then after that, it just became a mess, um, you know, with trying to figure out things. And I think this is going to be the exact same thing. You know, uh, the plot synopsis is that Leatherface has been just kind of hiding out in a Texan town where he's just being a good person. And then a bunch of teens come to gentrify the town and Leatherface gets pissed off and he picks up the chainsaw and starts killing him. Like, ah, stupid. Like, I, I have such a, a protective nature for Leatherface. Like, Bubba, that's my boy, you know, with the chainsaw. You know, that 74 version is perfect. That's, you know, the yeah, opening so of Texas Chainsaw like, Lady is perfect. Like, it's like everything like just, that's come after that, and I'm sure I've said this before on the show, mm-hmm. including uh, for its, its reasons, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, and everything else, this is one when you talk about, like, the big four being, you know, Halloween, Nightmare, Friday the 13th, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre has just, like, I feel like the highest volume of shit, like, total garbage mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the series. Mm-hmm. Like, you say you're protective of your boy, but, like, they've been shitting on your boy since fucking 19, yeah, since, since 1974, yep. you know? It's not like yep. uh, there's these other films in the original series that are held in such esteem as we hold some of the films in those other series. I feel like post the original, it's all been shit for the yep. most part. Oh, it has been. Um, you know, and yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, nope. I give it yep. a little bit of, of, nope. of levity because... Toby Hooper wanted to make a more comedic film. Like, he did a horror movie. He's yep. like, you know what? If I'm going to do a sequel, I'm going to make it funny, and I'm going to make it silly, and I'm going to nope. make it classic, because yep. that's what I want to do. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. But to the other yep. diminishing movies, like Part 3 and Part 4, yeah, there's things to like about it, but overall, they're just terrible movies, because there's no story left. It's like John Carpenter said about Halloween, too. Like, it's just, there's really no story. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's the thing about Leatherface. There's just no other story. Because that first movie nope. portrays him as not a villain, but just a guy protecting his fucking house. He's a Texan. So if you come into his house, he's going to kill you. Like, that's their right. That's their law in Texas. You know, if you go oh. and enter somebody's house, oh. you're going to get killed. So, oh, so now, yeah. so now this is a, politi- a political thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that Leatherface was not a slasher villain. Like, he, he's not Jason. He's not Freddy. He's not Michael. 
You know, he's Make his the only, he's a guy that says, again. Sure, why not? They'll probably put that in there. But, yeah, the trailer just didn't elicit anything within me that I said this is going to be great. I mean, Madeline Burns is no longer here. There's no reason to have Sally show back up. I know the actress from Mandy is going to be playing her. She was one of the children of the New Dawn. But it's one of those things, it's just it's not a necessary thing. It's just not necessary because why would Sally stay? I don't They're doing the Halloween 2018 thing because for some reason Sally decides to move to the town where Weatherface decided to hide out and just kind of stay there. So is she going to pick up a gun and and a a sword or whatever the fuck she has at her disposal and try to go after Weatherface when he shows up? I don't know. Weatherface isn't that type of character. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just naming weapons. Weatherface is a character. (laughs) Weatherface doesn't try to find people. Weatherface isn't that type of killer. He's not the type of person that's going to randomly kill. He's not the type of person that's just going to be hunting down people because he feels like it. He is protective of his family, and you're taking away the family. He's not going to have a family. Well, he might movie. have to so hunt to the eat. Is but if there's hmm? no meat, he can't make food. He needs food. Yeah, but, you know, that's going to be one of those sidestep things where he could be killing animals and shit like that. I mean, who knows? They, there's always a way to write around that. It's just the whole thing He's is that when they down man. my family. That's hard. It's just <laughs> like, like, like the 2013 version of human. I don't know. That's the problem I had with 2013 version is that he's kept in the basement as just, you know, being protected by the woman that, you know, was the survivor of the Sawyers. That's all fine. But then she dies and he's left on his own and he has nothing to fucking do. He just hangs out in the basement all day long. Like, there's just nothing for him to do because there's just no point. He's just, now he's not getting any more food. So he's probably just going to wither away and fucking die, which is what should Get happen to Bubba if he's the only survivor. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. But, like I said, obviously I, he's, yeah. but obviously he's not getting food because then, remember, you told me about his physique now. Yeah, it looks like he weighs 90 pounds soaking wet. Like, it looks like he's all gaunt and he has long hair, obviously, because he's old, so you've got to give him the long hair. But, yeah, the silhouette, I was like, that, that's, that's not Bubba. Bubba's a thick boy. Oh, man, you know, Bubba. He's going to find food. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I am, like Dean oh, said, I am protective of the character, but... I'm protective of the 74 character because I think that's the perfect Leatherface. And then the other movies have to be the Maybe he's got AIDS. Maybe he's a person and he got AIDS and now, now he's he got, kidding. I mean, Leatherface <laughs> does suck. Chainsaw meets Philadelphia. In the third one, he does have a daughter. So Leatherface does fuck. So it's proven that the Bubba likes to get his dick wet one way or another because he's got that little girl daughter, um, you know, in the third one. But I don't know. I just... I wanted to be excited about it, but then after you hear that the first two directors got fired, that the script's a mess, that there's just bad screenings, it's, you know, they, they keep trying to bring back Leatherface, and it's just, it doesn't work, because there's no story. There's just nothing, there's no real story to tell anymore with Leatherface. It's done. You know, if they had stopped with the first one, I think it would have been perfect. They decided to continue, and they just couldn't get that magic again, because they just couldn't find that common ground. That made that first one so good. Like, you know, we, yeah, he's a family, but we should make them funny or we should make them really violent. And, you know, Leatherface is a family person. The Saw is family. It's in the fucking movies. And just to have him living alone in, like, a shared condo or something like that in fucking Texas, where all of a sudden he's like, oh, these damn kids. Like, you know, why? Like, they're not doing anything <laughs> the, the to you. Problem like, with all, the problem with all the sequels is that 
they just did not have the ability to show you crazy without showing it as funny or silly. You know, you watch the first Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw, and they're all fucking completely 100% insane out of their minds. But there isn't an ounce Mm -hmm. of humor going on with those people. They are selling it 100% that they are just fucking insane. Whereas everything else that comes after it is all about the fucking zany zing-zang boo pew pew wow look at me making my chili like that's the kind they're all like the fucking mama mama and junior from fucking friday the 13th part five is what you got with the fucking sawyers whatever the fuck you call them in all those other movies well i mean and there is humor in the first one there is it's just it's not slapping you in the fucking face like when the cook comes home at the end of the night and he's like look what your brother did to the door damn it and he's beating the face <laughs> over the back with the broom you know, or the hitchhiker in the funny. van, and he's, he's cutting his hand really open. Mad about it. But he's really yeah. mad about it, and that guy's just really fucking crazy, which is why he cut his hand. Like, listen, my grandfather used to dress up like fucking Batman in Brooklyn and fucking ride around on a fucking bicycle because he was out of his fucking mind mental. Like, yeah, you can kind of look at that in hindsight and think, wow, it's kind of funny. But you know what? At the time for my family, it wasn't a fucking humorous thing. It was, holy shit, fucking dad's fucking insane, you know? Mm-hmm, Yeah. You know, it's all in how, in how it's portrayed. Like, yeah, there's, a, there's some uncomfortably funny moments in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, especially with the hitchhiker in the van, you know, where he's taking a picture of, you know, of Franklin. It's a good picture. Yeah. Uh, $5. It's a good picture. Like, you know, it's like uncomfortable funny, but it just, it worked. It was just, it was perfect for what it was. And the sequels could never capture it. They either gave them too many family members where they were all trying to out crazy each other, like in part three with Viggo Mortensen, where he's trying to be fucking insane, but then you have his other brothers that are trying to be equally fucking crazy. It's like, and then you have Leatherface. And it's like, we're forgetting that this movie is called fucking Leatherface. It's not called The Family. Like, let's focus on this character. And they, he gets kind of put into the background until he's needed again. Because the family can't do what Leatherface can do, which is run with a fucking heavy chainsaw through the woods. So, okay. We're going to get to that part, Bubba. Go ahead. I remember. Man, I remember seeing that fucking box art, man, when I was a kid and being like, oh, this movie's going to be fucking the bomb. And then I remember, well, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw 3 in ages, you know? But again, that box art, the Saw, Saw's family. And I'm like, man, this fucking movie, that's going to be it. They're going to finally fucking give us a movie where Leatherface is going to be like, nah, fucking killing people left and right. And man, I remember watching that shit and being like, dude, this motherfucker is barely in this damn movie at all. Like, what <laughs> yeah, the fuck know. am I watching? <laughs> it's, it's what they they wrote themselves in a hole because they did the same thing with part four next generation where Matthew McConaughey plays Zilmer and he's the villain in that movie it's like yeah but fucking this movie should be about Leatherface and he's just standing in the corner putting on a dress and putting on lipstick and going ooh you know that's not Leatherface <laughs> guys mostly a psychopath so you know <laughs> they just me. didn't know what to do with the character I'd fuck me <laughs> yeah he was Buffalo Bill especially in part four where he had the wig and he had the dress oh it was fucking atrocious. It's like, okay, well, let's just call this movie Zilmer because Matt McConaughey is the only one that's actually here having a good time. Everybody else is like, this sucks. Why the fuck am I in this movie? Like, I the change. You know, <laughs> and, and, and we had the fifth of Renee Zellweger being in that movie. Oh, like, it's just, it was awful. You know, but it's, you know, they just didn't know what they had. And then the remakes came out, and that was fucking even worse. Because, again, it's like, hey, it's the Arlie Ermey show. Let's have him be the psychopath, and Leatherface will show up every now and then, and he'll rev up the chainsaw, and it'll be cool. And then he's going to disappear again, because we don't really know how to do with this character. <laughs> it's, a, 
It's tough. It's, it's yeah, tougher wasn't, than I think wasn't the sequel a prequel, which is always the worst, man. Yes. Yeah, the beginning was basically explaining everything that happens before the Jessica Biel version. So you know none of them are living. They're all going to die mm-hmm. because whether he can't be defeated. This is a prequel. <laughs> so you're not going to invest mm-hmm. any time in the characters because you know they're all My dead. favorite kind of movie. They're not living. <laughs> like that's, I remember when that movie fucking ended, and I was like, yep, there we are. Because like, it didn't end with, like, Weatherface, you know, burning alive in a building or something like that. No, he kills the main character and then walks down the road. It's like, yes, because it's a fucking prequel. <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to get a final girl. You're not going to get a final boy. You're going to get nothing. You're going to get him walking down the street, and they're like, oh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Like, no. <laughs> like, it's, it's not. And that's what we're going to get with this one, you know. It's just, I don't know. I'm glad it's going to be on Netflix. I don't have to fucking pay for it. I could just go to the theater. I could just sit at home and watch it and then hopefully not shut it off halfway through going, this sucks. Like, you know, because Gunner's not here anymore and Marilyn's not here anymore. And, you know, like even John Dugan on Facebook was like, huh? <laughs> like, like, sorry, like, what is this? It's like, yeah, sorry, Grandpa. They're making another one. Ah, shit. Every fucking other year. <laughs> you know, you know like, yeah, I know. And they didn't invite you to this one. They didn't invite you to dance. No, instead they made that movie in 2017. That was a fucking flop, too, like where they have the obvious leather face. I'm like, no, it's going to be the really handsome fucking skinny guy. He's going to get cut in the mouth by a bullet, and he's going to have to be strapped into a mask. Wow. Yep, that's your leather face. Like, oh. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Like, you know, leather face has never quite got his due. So, But we'll see what happens when it comes out next year. I'm sure I'll be just as equally upset. <laughs> All right, did you have anything else before we get into the movie for tonight, Dean? Uh, yes. Uh, what? Oh, uh, we are with high anticipation waiting for some news about the release date for The Boys Season 3. But in the meantime, uh, they have announced uh, that there is going to be a Boys at the Boys Animated Anthology Series uh, that has been mm. ordered up uh, for Amazon. Uh, it's known, it's going to be called Diabolical. Uh, it's going to be an eight-episode series set in the universe of the boys, and uh, this will also hit Amazon sometime in 2022. Double dose of the boys. Very nice. It'll be a good year. Animated yes. series and the live action series. Very cool. All right. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, don't forget we're also going to have that college spinoff series as well. That's true. So yeah. So many things to do World of the boys. <laughs> I still haven't finished season All two. Right. <laughs> no, you <laughs> haven't. Yeah. Who do you think you are? <laughs> it's it's yeah. not nope. a race. It's a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Dean, what else you got? Uh, we have uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, AMC has ordered up an eighth season, even though uh, season seven doesn't kick off until April 17th, 2022. But in a surprise announcement, actress Kim Dickens is returning as the character of Madison Clark uh, under the uh, official series spoiling. regular status. Uh, and nope. uh, a Apparently, uh, <laughs> this character appeared to possibly have been killed off in season four. Uh, so, uh, we call this 
spoiler if you will, but this fucking news is plethora. <laughs> if you're reading movie news and TV news. Uh, so that's going on in the world of The Walking Dead. And then Ooh. I guess finally to wrap things up, well, I've got two quick things to mention. Uh, one, uh, I have not yet seen Old. Uh, it's on my list of things to hopefully get to over my holiday break. Uh, but M. Night mm, Shyamalan, his next film, uh, yeah, it's some, uh, which it's something. Has, a re- has a release uh, date of February 3rd, 2000, uh, 2023, uh, has the title Knock at the Cabin, and it's been announced, it's been announced that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Army of the Dead star uh, Dave Bautista has signed on to star. Can you see? Oh, okay. yeah, Finally. Gonna... <laughs> Finally. Although there have been two versions, uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, while appearing on uh, the Stephen King-based podcast, The King Cast, uh, has said that if he ever got a crack uh, at directing a Stephen King film, uh, he would like to take his own shot at Pet Cemetery. Uh, he says that that one uh, is one that has scared him the most. He says that it has... Uh, some of the best lines, and he says that uh, once he became a father, uh, he said that he understood it better than ever, and it scares him even a hundred times more. So uh, if Guillermo del Toro ever got a chance, uh, directing an adaptation of Pet Cemetery is what he would like to do. I would see that. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, hell yeah. Guillermo del Toro got kids? He got kids? Yeah, He'd be fucked up to see a Del, Del Toro version. He would really make it fucked up. I can't imagine what Zelda would look like in a Del Toro universe. Oh, shit. <laughs> make it even more fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that being said, uh, Ghoul, it is your film pick of the week, Silent Night from 2012, directed by Stephen C. Miller. Uh, why don't you break it down for us as we get into this talk tonight? Gee, chicka, 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 wow. Um, all right, Silent Night yeah. 2012. A, uh, I don't know. I thought this was originally like a remake, redo of the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Um, but I guess this actually has more to do based off of like a 2008 murder-suicide fucking spree that some dude went on in a fucking Santa suit. Uh, basically a guy in a Santa Claus outfit just murdering people. And, uh, and yeah. That, that's it. They're all they're all heinous people. It's a heinous town, and and yep, Malcolm McDowell's in the movie too. So Santa, mm. Santa Claus is a killer. So so be, be good, kids. Oh, spoilers! Me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, Dean, what do you think about Silent Night? <laughs> so, uh, I indeed we're talking Silent oh. Night for from uh, 2012 here and. Uh, what I am here to say is that uh, I was watching Silent Night from 2012 and was about 30 minutes in until I realized I was watching the wrong Silent Night from 2012. Uh, apparently, uh, there was another film uh, from 2012 called Silent Night uh, where um, it's like a like an assassin, uh, you know, like poor guy used to be an assassin type guy. Uh, gets lured for one more job, but it takes place around uh, the Christmas season. And there was like a scene, like pretty much like 10 minutes into it where like a guy was 
uh, dangling up in a tree, like doing tree work with a chainsaw. And he like dropped the chainsaw and like it almost like hacked the people up below. And I was like, all right, like, like, I'm not sure where this is going, but like, maybe this is. And then I was like, oh, fuck, wait a second. Uh, so I was watching the wrong film uh, when I finally uh, <laughs> figured this out and got back to watching uh, the actual film for this evening, Silent Night 2012 uh, with Malcolm McDowell. Um, and uh, personal, one of my personal favorites, Donald Logue, uh, with a small, weird part. But, but uh, I don't know, man. Like, paint by numbers, uh, kind of predictable, kind of, you know, seen this before. Uh, is this, is this like considered, I, I didn't do any reading about it. So is this considered to be like a remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night of sorts? More homage. Kind of. of. Cause they, they do kind of pull things from Silent Night, Deadly Night in this movie, but it's not a direct remake. It's kind of like, we're just going to, it was never like explicitly stated somewhere. Right. Like, no, nope. no, I mean, right. well, I mean, look, the Wikipedia is like, it was entertaining well enough, but for the most part, like paint by the numbers, average holiday time slasher, you know, like it was cool. Like I, there, there was some, some gore shots that I appreciated and you know, like it was fine, fine. Put me in the festive holiday Christmas spirit. Oh, very cool. Perfect. All right. So, Monkey, what did you think about Silent Night? I had fun with this. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I had lots of fun with this, man. It's just, this is one of those movies that knew exactly what it was, made no apologies. You know, it was going to be in your face. It was going to be stupid. It was going to be silly. It, you know, and, uh, you know, good gore in it, not, you know, fun effects, you know, and then you got fucking Malcolm McDowell on top of it with all the best fucking lines ever. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, fucking great. There's like one, like there's one bit of the movie that I definitely felt was displaced from the entire movie and it, you know, definitely threw off my vibe, but for the most part, yeah, you know, good, fun movie, you know, well shot. I enjoyed it, you know, so thank you for the pick, Ghoul. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, yeah, I mean, Silent Night uh, from 2012, like we had said, it's not a, a direct remake by any means, but they took some fun elements from that movie and they incorporated it into the film, which I think was a great option <clears throat> to do rather than just remake the whole thing. You'll make your story, but then kind of have those Easter eggs for the fans of Silent Night, Deadly Night. That'll pick up on them. Uh, if they know the movie very well. It's a, to me, it's like a great example of a movie that's made in the 20 aughts, but yet it feels like an 80s slasher. You know, it's got over-the-top acting. It's got cool deaths. It's got a cool killer. Like, there's just so many things that work for this movie. Um, all the characters are over-the-top and perverted and silly, and just, it's what I needed. You know, it's like Halloween Kills should have been this. It should have been silly, and it should have known what it was. Silent Night knows what it is. It's just a silly slasher film. You know, it's a way to pass an hour and a half, and you have Malcolm McDowell showing up and having these crazy lines and just being Malcolm Hell McDowell. Yeah. Like, at no point did I think this was Sheriff Cooper. I just said, this is Malcolm McDowell. He showed up on set. He tossed a script away and said, let's just make a movie. Like, that's just <laughs> my sense of <clears throat> him on set the entire time. Um, I really like this movie. I mean, it, I like Silent Night, Deadly Night for a lot of reasons, and I like this movie for a lot of reasons. And plus, Donald Logue, you can't go wrong. But when you have mm -hmm. a killer Santa that has brass knuckles that say ho, ho, ho on it, and he has a whole <laughs> bag of toys like a cattle prod, 
and other things like a gas to kill people with. It's a, it's a fun time. It's not like we're taking it <laughs> seriously. It's going to be a dark, removed movie, and it's going to be moody and fucked up. No, it's like we're having fun. Are you guys having fun? Hope so. Like, I mean, it's, that's what I, I love most of all about it. Because, you know, Jamie King had success with My Bloody Valentine 3D, which, again, I'm a fan of that remake, and, and she shows up here as a cop, um, you know, with, with loss behind her, but at the same time, just over the top for most of the movie, especially when she fucks up with Carson. She's like, I fucked up, all right? All right, I fucked up. Like, and I'm like, all right. You know, it's crazy how uh, it, it works out with that. Um, but I, that's why so I like I, it, because it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, Gould. So I, I don't completely disagree with you. You know, there's a lot of stuff in here that is completely over the top. My problem with it is, though, is that at times this movie just it, – you say it feels like, uh, you know, like a, a film from that era. I feel like it's a movie that's trying too hard at times to feel like a film from that era, and that's part of the mm-hmm. problem. My other issue is there's times where this movie feels like it's filmed by two entirely different people. It's like you have yes. this very this, – this, this cleanly filmed, nicely shot film with, like – good camera work, good camera angles. And then you have these sequences where it feels like somebody filming an indie film with a shaky cam. Like, oh, there's a violent scene yeah. coming on. Yep. Oh, shake the camera. That shows you violence, man. That shows you violence. Like, did they rap on this movie and then we're like, holy shit, man, we didn't actually put any kills in this thing. We need to kill some people. So they called up, like, the fucking the third or fourth DP and we're like, hey, listen, we need you guys to fucking film some shit real quick and we'll just, uh, we'll make a couple edits in the fucking, in the screen room somewhere. Yeah, so, and that uh, makes I, me, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead, my guy. I was going to say that I, I agree exactly with what the ghoul's saying, just because, again, you know, there's one specific scene that, you know, totally feels out of place from the entire movie, you know, and, yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, when we get to that sequence, it, it you know, when I saw it, I was like, maybe this was, like, your pitch film, and, you know, or, you know, it was originally a short, and then they you know, were greenlit and able to turn this into a full-length feature. And then, like Terrifier, they were just through the r- sprinkles of the original film in there. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, how many off-brand yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy, it's like how, no, many, no, no. how many lesser-known <laughs> Yes, I don't know. Like, how many lesser-known <laughs> slasher movies from the 80s have you seen? How many slashers from the 70s have you seen where they couldn't fucking figure it out, where it feels like it's definitely two different movies? Like, it's not new. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, it's not, you know, like, wow, they're fucking weird with this one. I've seen plenty of flashers that aren't, like, the famous ones. I'm like, oh, man. Like, it's like they gave up halfway through the movie. Like, they just they either ran out of money or they just didn't know what they were doing. And this is what we get. Um, so it didn't bother me because I'm like, it's, it, it, again, it's just playing out like one of those lesser-known 80s flashers where it's like they just fucking gave up. And the crew went home, and they're like, okay, well, let's just throw this scene in there and we'll end it with it. Uh, so again, yeah, that's why well, I, I I appreciate it. Hmm? Yeah, well, my cousin's so blowing down a load. Now you get him in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't so much you know them making up stuff and whatnot. You know, it, it was nope. the actual film quality, like and the actual lighting and stuff. Again. You know, it looked like yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So you know, that's what we were getting. You know, but yeah, we will get into it when we get into it. But yes. So, fucked up Christmas movie, and narrator go. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we we kick it off right away with with evil Santa making his mask out of a plastic mask and putting a beard on it and a wig and a hat. But meanwhile, in the basement, he has a guy tied up with Christmas lights and attached to an electrical device. Meanwhile, there's a woman in the background screaming, and she's tied up. Uh, this guy is Jordan, who has been stepping out with a married woman, and that's naughty, 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 and Santa's not going to stand for it. So he has to, <laughs> he has to use those Christmas lights and electrocute this guy to death until his eyes pop out, which I was like, okay, cool. We're off to the races. Like, we're good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, we're I, good. I, <laughs> and and they fuck with you from the very, very beginning. It's like, you know, because you have the Christmas music playing, you have, you know, the dude just, you know, <laughs> cleaning himself up in the bathroom and all, taking his time, listening to the Christmas music. And then, you know, it gets really gritty and really dirty really fast. <laughs> to where you know they, yeah. they you know straight straight out the gate try to make you definitely feel uncomfortable until they get to you know the pop pop session of the lights and then I was like oh that's where we're going <laughs> I, you yeah, know I exactly. did enjoy and you know I mean uh, maybe it's it's obvious to, to most people I mean you know looking at it in hindsight you know for for a whole split second I was enjoying the fact that maybe just maybe the missing deputy was actually the murderous Santa um, for like a brief moment. The, yeah, they kept bringing the name up to the point where it was like, wow, this guy is missing. Wow, this guy is missing. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, it would be kind of stupid for it to be the guy they killed at the beginning. So for them to be bringing up the name so often, that guy must be the one that's the killer. But then, uh, sure enough, they fucking ruined that by uh, having her make the discovery of, of that body and blowing it right there. She's like, oh, I found deputy fucking so-and-so. Yeah, because I, I, sent, I smelled it as I drove up to the abandoned house. Uh, where I have to check out where the where that smell is coming from, and there's the body and the eviscerated uh, Alana Roach, and there's there's Jordan, um, but uh, Ooh, Aubrey that uh, smell. is the <laughs> thank you, Dookie. But this is all about uh, Audrey Bradamore, played by Jamie King. Uh, she's a deputy in this town. She moved there after her husband died around Christmas time. Uh, to which Sheriff Cooper is having none of that. He doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Weston Jordan's missing. I need you for the night shift. You know, maybe he got a whiff of something he couldn't pass up. Meow. You know, so get your ass down here. Yeah. Um, and I just, and she's like, yeah, but I don't really think it's a good idea because like a tragedy happened. He's like, okay, we'll see you. All right, bye. Like, <laughs> doesn't care. You know, work needs to be done. Uh, we get introduced to the cast of characters like Mayor Revy and his daughter Tiffany, who is dressed up very sexily like Mrs. Claus and just saying, well, fuck this town. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want. This town sucks. And he's like, okay, have a great day, honey. I love you. And he's like, fuck you. You know, it's a great relationship <laughs> that they much. have. Uh, you know, um, and then it's one of those things where they introduce these characters, and you're getting used to the town of Cryer, Wisconsin. But then they cut to, like, the world's worst fucking daughter that you could probably ever have who just wants her fucking gifts and go to the mall, give me your money. <laughs> she knocks the mother's heart pills. And she's like, you knocked my heart pills on the ground. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> You know, yes, like, oh, yeah. Oh, gets man. Me. Now, now, now. Yeah. Like, just, you know, but yeah, the whole fuck church line that the daughter gives, and like, I just want to go now. And then you have Santa, the evil Santa, showing up at the front door, and she's like, what the fuck do you want? And she just waits and waits and waits until he pulls out a fucking cow prod and just fucking electrocutes her to death. Foam coming out I of her mouth, like her, her shaky can. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
this is weird. I don't know why this is happening. Oh, my God, you're shocking me. Um, but, uh, I, again, it was just great because it's like right away they set her up to be a bitch, and she just gets what she deserves. Naughty. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, just, it's great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they waste no time. Um, and and I enjoyed how they, they like like you said they waste no time because it's like you know because Washington was like oh are we gonna have to deal with her for like an hour and a half this is gonna be annoying as fuck she's gonna fucking live because she's a kid nope yeah no they, they take care of that real fast and then I love later when Cooper goes to the house to see the mother and she's like it's my fault I'm going to jail I should have just done what she asked me to do and he's like all right all right shut up uh, I'm gonna go in and check her out and he's like, no don't go in there. Because you'll never see what you can't unsee. Oh my God! And it's like you know, she has a little blood on her mouth, and he's like, Oh my God! <laughs> it's just, it's just the, the reactions, the things that happen in this movie. It's, it's it's tapping into, like I said, they know what movie this is. They're just having fun. Um, we get in, we get introduced to a perverted Reverend who's in this town who likes to take money from oh, the collection yeah. plate, and he also likes to take pictures of boobies and just have fun. And I was like, This is a great representation of church. It's accurate. Because he's like, oh, come on, girls. At least women. At least yeah, women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, like, they on, could have went the, the route of, like, little boys, you know. And, uh, but like, it was just, it uh, was so much fun. Like, I was having fun with this fucking, this perverted uh, reverend talking, talking to Aubrey, you know, being very sexual about it. Then later on when he's taking a picture of the girls in front of the tree, and he's like, oh, this is going in the, the Paris newsletter. Yeah, oh, you get in, girl. Oh, mm-hmm. oh wow, this is really good. Oh God, help me! Oh boy, like, <laughs> I just I, but also, I just thought it was fun to have that character. But also, they make him a Catholic, you know, priest, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. at Catholic church. But also, anytime they show something going on at the church, you know, where you know Aubrey's there and she's praying and trying to find guidance, you know, what's going on, you know, and later when they show uh, Christmas mass, <laughs> there's no one in the church. <laughs> no one is going no. to that church. One old woman, <laughs> one old woman decided to show up for the, the and she gets a little surprised. Um, so we get introduced to the rest of the, the the department. We get Giles, the other deputy, uh, Brenda, the the secretary. So we have back and forth with them. Um, uh, so they're introduced as characters because they're going to come back later. And even Giles has a great line from Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two that we'll get to. Um, but along the way, we get introduced to Santa Jim Epstein played by Donald Logue, who is just being very honest with kids about how parents suck and how you can't trust them and they're going to take your gifts and they're going to put them on eBay and go fuck off with it. And he's upsetting parents. Aubrey has to talk to them about it. And she's like, what else do you do? He's like, well, you know, at Easter, yeah, they do. And it's true. Uh, But anyway, so he's the Easter bunny (laughs) at Easter. At Halloween, he's Halloweener, which is an Irish Jewish ghost for some reason. I want to see that character. Like, I want to see a movie about Halloweener. And, and seeing how that plays out, because I have no idea why he's an Irish Jewish ghost, but it's hilarious. And yes, please do. Tim Burton's <laughs> because he's Irish. <laughs> yeah, and he's also Jewish. And I just, I don't know. To me, I would pay to see that movie. Then who knows? Maybe they'll make that one day. Like remember that character that we came up with in Silent Night? Let's make that new movie called Halloween Report One. So you know another <laughs> one's coming. Like you know, but we'll see. But uh, so along the way, we get introduced to Dollar Store Jay from Jay and Silent Bob Dennis. You know, who is visiting his grandfather, who is catatonic. He steals his money, and before he can leave, the grandfather goes way into Silent Night, Deadly Night territory, where he talks about Christmas Eve being the scariest damn night of the year. And if you see Santa, you better run for your life, boy. And then he becomes a demon for some reason. Like, all of a sudden, they distort his voice, so he's like, all right, that's fucking weird, but I'm into it. A good callback to Silent Night, Deadly Night. (laughs) 
My grandfather talked. Whatever. My grandfather talked. Oh yeah, whatever. Um, So we talked about how Aubrey found the bodies of of Jordan and uh, Alana Roach, uh, and then Cooper shows up and he's like automatically like, oh fucking shit, big fellow with the big footprint, you know? And she's like, well, uh, nothing makes sense. And he's like, murder seldom does. And I was like, oh, he's going into the women's territory over here from you know Rob Zombie's Halloween, you know, just stepping into that because he's telling her to go home. You can't handle this. Don't go playing the hero. That's my job. I was like, I, I just fucking love Malcolm McDowell. Like, it's, I guarantee you he threw that script away. He's like, this shit sucks, and I'll just fucking ad-lib everything. It'll be fine because I'm Malcolm McDowell. Because he's on this, and he doesn't want any fucking outside help. No CIA, no FBI. <laughs> he's fucking in it to win it, and he's going to solve this murder, and it's going to make him famous. Um, you know, and he's just yeah, – uh, so we cut to the sexy film shoot that's happening, like the softcore porn shoot where Tiffany's there, and she's doing a line of coke, getting paid and leaves. I'm like, oh, that's great. White Christmas! <laughs> At this softcore porn shoot Oops. in this town. It's just, um, I loved it, the fact that she was there. But also you have uh, Frank, you know, the photographer, his assistant Goldie, taking pictures of this one model. And I love how Frank just gets into it whenever he sees boobs. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, show them, girl, show them. All right, we're into this. Like, you know. Like, he's never seen a pair before. It's endearing. But he's not there very long because Evil Santa shows up and kills Goldie with a gaff and takes her out immediately. Frank is attacked and stabbed, but manages to survive enough to get a shot off on Evil Santa as the model uh, that was modeling for the window. He doesn't just get stabbed. He gets stabbed in the fucking taint, man. (laughs) Yep, he does. With that gaff and laid out. But he still gets up and he fires a shot off. You know, to, to distract Evil Santa long enough so that the model can get away. And, again, this is one of those scenes that is like an 80s horror movie for me. Like, it was nostalgia, where you have this girl topless running through the woods trying to escape, and all of a sudden she hears a wood chipper being turned on. All of a sudden she's like, huh? Well, I have to investigate that naturally because I'm not going to keep running. There's a wood chipper out here, so I'm going to check out what that noise is and see if I can oh, figure yes. out why it's turned on. Um, yeah, this should all turn out well for me in the long run because no way Evil Santa has made it out this far. In but the he long has, run, and he immediately he's not going to be running anywhere soon. <laughs> well, she gets her leg cut off, so it's pretty much what that happens, and immediately goes <laughs> yeah, out cargo style. I was nope. uncertain about the physics of <laughs> the leg getting cut off and its uh, long flight yeah. through the air, uh, but I did appreciate the. <laughs> I did appreciate the uh, the spewing of blood through the stump uh, after that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. being shoved down in that wood chipper, and you see it start to puff out like all the blood, and you know, and she's still screaming for help as she's getting sucked down into it. I'm like, it's great. Like, this movie again knows <laughs> but, what it is. Yeah, but again, this scene though is like you know this entire chase scene is you know looks completely different than the rest of the movie. Yeah, and this it? is one of those things. Yeah, it yeah, like and it was sci-fi too... channel movie. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Everything was too fucking bright, no filters at all. You know, <laughs> like no softening <laughs> through edit or anything like that. <laughs> and this looks like it was just roughly thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. So um, after the the girl gets killed in the wood chipper. Now we have Giles and Aubrey investigating the different murder scenes and trying to, to piece things together 
because the same boot prints are at the sexy photo shoot murder scene as they were at the Jordan crime scene. And there's also a camera. So, of course, we oh. have to look at this footage. We just well, we, yeah. we have to just look and, and see what's going on with this. And, oh, Cooper just standing there going, hmm, 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 hmm. Cooper. Yeah. Uh, you can fast forward this. You could, you could go. No, no. I mean, this is all part of it. Like, you can't just fast forward this. I mean, you're missing something from this. You know, and then they, they get the jump scare of the killer Santa popping up, and he's like, oh, Jesus. Like, does that really scare you? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, just, it just shows nothing. I mean, there's nothing that they can get off the tape that's going to prove who the killer was. So it's just a reason for Cooper to see tits, and he's very happy to do it. Uh, but we cut back to the church where the reverend is returning to the church and taking money out of the collection basket. Oh, that's naughty. You don't want to do that. So that's where he decides, No, I'm going to hold mass. And I'm going to be like every Catholic priest that ever existed, and I'm going to fucking be very hypocritical. And I'm going to talk about Christmas evil, and I'm going to talk about sin, and I'm going to talk about the Bible, and all these things about sin, sin, sin. But luckily, our boy, the killer Santa, is also in attendance. So as the leopard is really getting into it and slamming his hands down on the pew, talking to the, the lonely old woman, that's when the killer grabs a knife and chops off his fingers before violently stabbing the death. And it was great, loved it, but it was just great, the parishioner, just shaking and terrified. And like, I, I don't know anything. I didn't see anything. Please don't kill me. And what does he do? He gives her money that the reverend stole. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. We're friends now. Like, what are you doing funny. here? You want to get a drink or something? <laughs> um, I suck so, this killer, so this killer is now cutting a swath cutting down all the naughty, naughty people in the town of Cryer. Uh, we have Aubrey confronting a possible suspect, drug dealer Stein Carson. You know, he's a big guy. He's not thick, but he's thin, but he's got big feet. Uh, and he's sitting at a bar trying to tell her the story about this jilted husband that dressed up like Santa and killed people with a flamethrower. And it seems to, to fit the bill of the killer that they're looking for. But Carson really just doesn't want to have this anymore, so he decides to flee. And Aubrey is in hot pursuit. Uh, but she gets caught up by Carson and nearly killed before Cooper shows up. And that's her, I fucked up, okay? I fucked up. I hesitated. And that becomes a big fucking thing throughout the remainder of this movie, the fact that she hesitates. For some reason, she just can't stop dwelling on the fact that she hesitated. Even Cooper's like, dude, you fucking hesitated, dude. Like, you're a cop. Well, isn't that, cop. Isn't that like <laughs> loosely how her husband ended up dying because she hesitated? Like, there's, like, a draft yeah. line in there somewhere. Like, we never really find out mm-hmm. exactly how it happens, but there's, like, a line that if she didn't hesitate, he would still be here. Yeah, when she's talking to her dad, she mentions it. When she tells him not to go to the Santa Parade because there's a killer around, and the father's like, well, that's okay, it's fine. He's like, you know what, it's, you're a cop, and this isn't the first time a Bradmore had to take down a bad Santa, so it'll be cool. Like, everything will work out. I'm not going to tell your mom. It's going to be fine. I don't know where but that's going. he does going. go to the parade. And he has a fucking trophy. Like, I, do, I love the fact that they gave him a fucking trophy. And he's just waving. Like, he fucking won the hockey championship. Like, he's waving around this trophy. And I was like, that's adorable. This, this former sheriff of this town, they gave him a trophy. Like, world's best sheriff. Yeah. Look, like, look everybody. Around. Uh, you look, know, people get he said he was going to get the trophy. He to get a trophy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to turn that down. I wouldn't. <clears throat> like, where's yeah. my trophy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, that's the other weird thing we didn't really talk about is this town, which is, like, fucking dead as shit. 
for some reason has a yeah. million fucking Santas in this town for for this weird ass Santa parade. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not really. It's it's a weird thing because that's what the whole town comes out for to celebrate. So it's like, yeah, it's our one big thing. Like this seems like one of those Hallmark towns that just has like the one big <laughs> Christmas event, and every other holiday sucks. Like they don't care about Thanksgiving or Easter or Halloween, sucks. but Christmas time, yeah, this town Ooh. gets lit. Uh, you know, it's an exciting <laughs> thing for all these people. Um, so Carson is the obvious nope. suspect for the police and for Cooper. Um, writing his name on the board, missing one of the S's. Ellie? And, no, his, his last name has two S's. That's right, double S, double screwed. I was like, oh, he's reaching Tom Atkins level. <laughs> he's reaching Tom Atkins level of one-liners from Night of the Creeps, and I'm here for it. But once again, Aubrey's being the wet blanket thing. I don't know. This isn't the guy. Like, this, this things aren't adding up. He's a fucking drug dealer. Why is he going to go around killing people? And that's where we get the weird fucking line about not putting avocado on a burger. And you just don't do it. You keep it plain. You keep it simple. And she's like, yeah, but I really think, oh, now you're putting hummus on it. You definitely don't put hummus on a fucking burger. I, like, oh. I don't know where he got it from, but I was there for that line. Like, I was saying that all fucking week after I watched the movie. I was like, you don't put fucking avocado on a burger. All right? Like, what does that mean? I, was like, I don't know. I just heard it and I fucking like it and I'm putting it in my vernacular. You know, I'm just, I'm using it. <laughs> Thank you, Mac McDowell, from this movie. Um, but of course, Aubrey just kind of goes along with Cooper, but knowing that it's probably not him that's doing it. So she's looking through files uh, and trying to dig into Epstein's background and seeing if she could tie him to something. And she can because of uh, Montana ho, ho, ho homicide uh, that happened. So this is going to be the, the big thing. It's going to be the one that take him down. So the Raiders trailer, of course, find nothing. There's just fucking nothing there because it's obvious that Epstein probably isn't the killer. He's just really fucking jaded on life. He's the king. He's like the fucking king. Hillary got He's just him. fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah. Where's my cup of joy? Where's my figgy pudding? My fancy cologne? My Tim Tebow jersey? Or my fancy wife or vegan friends that worship the ground I walk on? Where's my life? It's like, oh, you're just, you just hate life, dude. You're not a killer. You just no, you don't like anything. But you know what? This, this is the thing, though. This is what you get Donald Logue here to do. Oh, you know, like when he yep. gets into these monologues, this is what this man does fantastic. It's like uh, bread and butter, and, man. And, yeah. Yep. And, and for me, it's probably one of, like, my favorite parts of, like, an otherwise, like, you know, I don't know, somewhat uh, up-and-down film. I, I, I like the tail end of this movie a hell of a lot better than I like the, the earlier parts of it. Once the movie gets going, it's, it's enjoyable. But, uh, <laughs> but this scene here with him just going on and on about everything, man, yes, I, I loved it. Absolutely. Thank you, Donald Logue, for fucking delivering an awesome monologue about Christmas <laughs> and the fucking holidays. <laughs> and it, it just... It, and it just made a lot of sense because even he was like, you know what, you got me in here and for whatever you think I did, I definitely didn't do. And he's like, well, whatever, you're here now, so you could just stay in the cell. Um, but we cut back to Mayor Revy going outside to have a cigarette, and his youngest daughter is like, hey, Dad, you said you would quit. And he's like, I swear. Like, you know what, first of the year, it's going to happen. I'm going to quit smoking. Um, she goes back and lied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the best part is that you have uh, Tiffany coming back home with her boyfriend, Dennis, and she's tugging on his belt and being flirtatious. And he's like, hey, Mayor Revy, I heard you got your guest house built. He's like, yep, two bedrooms and a full bath. He's like, thanks. I'm going to go fuck your daughter now. He's like, all right, wear a condom. Like, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> like, just, like, not like, no, the fuck you're not. Like, you're not going in that guest house. We have family over or whatever. He's like, no, nah, it's all right, cool. 
just don't 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 come in her. Like please, like I don't need that added stress. Like <laughs> I'm gonna show him my sawfish. <laughs> oh, she's gonna show him something. Um, so after they leave to go to the guest house to get their fuck on, all the Xmas lights go off on the porch, and that's when Cooper calls the mayor to say, "Hey, Merry Christmas." Hey, everything's fine, but like really quick though. There's like a serial killer. It's like a whole thing. Like you know, you you understand, right? I mean, these things happen. But he doesn't because he's being strangled by the fucking. Killer. Uh, oh, nope. Mayor, I know, I know you're choked up. I know you're choked up right now by the things I have to tell you. But oh, you're cutting out. Oh, okay. I, well, I'll call you back. I, I, you're going through some things. Like it's fine. Like you know, I, I, the juxtaposition between him being strangled to death and Cooper trying to talk to him is great because you. Know, it's one of those wonderful things, especially using Christmas lights as a murder weapon. I, I'm always there for in Christmas movies, like these horror Christmas movies. <laughs> like using decorations, like candy cane decorations, like in Black Christmas, you know, stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm all there for. Um, but, yeah, Tiffany and Dennis are definitely getting it on. Tiffany's giving him a bunch of mouth hugs. That's his Christmas present this year. Uh, but she can't quite finish because, wait, <clears throat> I'm going to give you blue balls for a second because I'm going to change into something even sexier than what I have on, which is just a bra and underwear. <laughs> when she, like, she, she stops for that, when she stops for that, like one second, and starts talking, and he's like, "Don't fucking stop!" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't thank stop, you, bro. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh wait, I'm going to go change out of my sexy outfit into an even sexier outfit," and he's like, "Okay, cool." Like, "Oh fuck yeah!" Like, no, you just no, you were just getting a treat. <laughs> Don't stop. Do it after. It's fine. He's a teenager. He's going to be able to go again in like a 30 seconds. It's fine. Like so just give him like what he wants and then, you know, move on to the sexy gear. But no, she has to go put it on, uh, go way back in bed so Dennis could be all excited. But, you know, he, he's hiding, obviously. He's not around. The bathroom door opens up. And then Dennis appears and screams at her in a jump scare. But, Dennis, how did you get from the bathroom to, to where I, you were standing? He's like, oh, whatever, babe. <laughs> it's like totally cool. And that's when Short Santa goes into fuck you mode, slams the door on Dennis and confronts um, Tiffany, and then kills her just like in Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, the Linnea Quigley character gets impaled on deer antlers, and the same thing happens here. Mm -hmm. I was here for it. I was clapping at this thing. I was like, oh, man, what a fucking callback, because it is one of the coolest (laughs) moments in that movie to recreate it here. And it looks actually worse here than it does in the 84 version. I didn't like the way it was. Somehow, It was just too fake. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was like watching two little nipples come out of her ribs. Um, yeah, I, I love how telegraphed it was too, because there was not a fucking direction in that fucking in that scene no. at all no. that there wasn't a set of antlers like hanging somewhere. <laughs> no, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so with her dead, Dennis manages to get back into the room and sees what happened, and he's obviously devastated. But he doesn't have long to be devastated because Killer Santa gets the better hand of him. And then just literally destroys his head right in half. I fucking loved it. I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> good moment. Exploding his head with that double-sided axe. I, I loved it. It was quick. And then, again, they pick back up with Silent Night, Deadly Night from 84, where the youngest Revy girl is like, oh, it's Santa. And he gives her a blood-covered uh, candy cane. In the 84 version, he gives her a box cutter uh, as a present because she's good. And he walks mm-hmm. away and he's like, but wait, what about the cookies? He, no, he, he's busy. Just enjoy that uncovered, <laughs> you know, candy cane that you got because this Best is going to be kill fine. Of the movie. Uh, you know, yeah, I figured they were going to. I figured they were going to cut away 
you know, and pull one of those. Mm-hmm. Or like, cause, you know, all, all the other kills, they've been, like, gory, but not, like, like that, you know? Like, when we went, like, with the sequence with the, the porn scene and everything, you know? Like, yeah, you see the axe go up, but there was nothing that was, like, insane. You didn't see, like, Terrifier level no. fucking, like, body getting ripped apart or anything like that. So, you know, I figured, all right, they're going to do one of those where it's like, the axe is going to go up and they're going to cut at the last second, or maybe we get a little bit of a splat of blood, but we're going to stay focused on Santa. Nah, man, his fucking head popped like a fucking balloon. And I was like, Yes! <laughs> Oh, it was it was great. It was unexpected. It's great. I love when unexpected things like that happen, and it just works out. Um, but across town, Aubrey has tracked Carson back to his motel room, where she pulls her gun first on him, and he pulls out the same gun that was used in Silent Night, Deadly Night, same model uh, as the one from that movie. So again, little things, little Easter eggs that you pick up if you're a fan of, of that 84 version. Uh, but this time, she doesn't hesitate, and she just straight up blows Carson away with a bullet to the head justifiable because he had a gun pulled. So it's not like it's cold-blooded murder. (laughs) She could just say, hey, pull the gun. And I took care of business. I'm not hesitating anymore. Shit is on. So now that makes (laughs) that explains why they made sure to, like, linger on the gun, too, after the fact. So I thought that. Now, Uh, I had no fucking idea. I wasn't thinking about that, but I did think the camera shot was weird. I'm like, what the fuck? I figured they were trying to show us, like, maybe the gun was fake or something like that. But, you know, (laughs) I was like, it doesn't have an orange tip or anything. So that's kind of weird. But in this process of of tracking down Carson, she figures out that there's a little gift being left behind by the killer. So obviously it wasn't Carson, so she's figured it out. So now she needs to go track down her father and figure it out with him. But uh, we'll find out what happens to him. But before that, uh, we're back at the station with Giles and Cooper. Giles is going to be going home for the night. And Cooper tells him, hey, don't forget to take the garbage out. He goes, garbage day. I was like, oh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Garbage <laughs> day made it into this fucking movie. I was like, you know, this, whoever did it knew about that. And just, you can't forget that line. But he doesn't last very long because after seeing a suspicious car, he gets a knife right to the fucking eye. I was like, oh, so great. Because they linger on that knife going into his fucking eye. And I was like, all right. I like it when they linger. I like it when you see that for a couple <laughs> seconds. They don't cut away real fast. You get to see the body shake a little bit, you know, before it hits the ground, you know. But it was great because now we have the siege at the police station where the power goes out. And for some reason, for some very cute reason, the lights are red and green, uh, the, the power reserve lights. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> of course. The red and green. I liked red it. In some parts. <laughs> I did. I loved it. I was like, of course. Like I was like, I wonder if they changed those bulbs out just for Christmas. <laughs> Do they have black <laughs> and orange ones for Halloween? Like, you know, they get fun with it. But no, uh, the siege is officially on at the police station where the killer Santa comes in wearing his flamethrower. And Cooper doesn't stand a chance. But he gets that great line at the end. How dare you bring a flamethrower to a gunfight? And just fires off a couple bullets before he's eventually taken down. Uh, then when you see him later, Cooper's body, and he just looks like Loomis from Part 4 with the really ridiculous kind of small burn on his face. It's like, I don't know. If he got uh-huh. hit up by a flamethrower, you think he'd be fucked up. No, he had the Loomis fucking makeup from Part 4. Just a little dab. So I guarantee him, Mac Waddell's like, don't fuck up my face. Like, this is a moneymaker. So <laughs> they need little, to see that little. it's me that's there that's dead. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I was in a clockwork orange, and now I'm laying on the floor on Wisconsin, getting makeup put on my fucking face. Like, oh, just don't do the whole thing. Let them know that Malcolm is still beautiful in the end. 
do it. <laughs> Ooh, whatever he says, you know. So, but uh, before Audrey can go back to the police station, she has to go home and discover that her dad's been gutted. And he's been left a box with the coal inside, just like Cooper had done. So for some reason, her father was not a very good person because the scent is only killing bad people. So we'll find out why he's exactly bad. He's not. Uh, but we'll find out why the evil Santa thinks that he is. Uh, Mom's still in hiding, though, and she's like, oh, don't go. Don't go uh, chasing that evil Santa, even though you're a cop and you have a gun and you could totally take him down. No, don't leave. You know? <laughs> nope, sorry. Got to do it. It's third act. I'll be back. Leaving <laughs> <You know? laughs> her mom screaming the entire time. Um, as the fire sprinklers kick in at the police station, Brenda's hiding in a closet. Um, the killer, Santa, wants to kill her, but then you hear Jim Epstein going, what the hell is with the rain? Like, Come on, man. Like, this isn't cool. So he's distracted. So the killer, Santa, confronts Jim. And he's like, oh, hey, brother. Hey, come on. Let me out of here, man. Like, this isn't cool. And Jim, realizing that this is probably going to end up in a fight, decides to punch Evil Santa first. And you get the only line of dialogue from this Evil Santa, and it fucking ruined it because he says, not nice. And I was like, no, do naughty or do punish. Come on, give us that Silent Night, Deadly Night, Billy. Naughty or punish, like, not nice. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. eh, it's fine. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> one hell of a fight between Jim and Evil Santa. So at one point you think maybe Jim might be able to overpower him for a second, but no. Santa's got his ho 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 brass knuckles out. And oh, it's just about to get real. Like he had those special made so he could beat somebody to death, and that's what he does to Jim. He just beats his face in until he's died. He's finally dead, and he could prop up his body for somebody to find eventually. Uh, because that's when Aubrey arrives, and she just discovers everything. You know, the fact that Cooper's dead, the fact that Jim's dead, and then Killer Santa gets into a fucking epic fight with her brawling all over the station. I love the one shot of Santa with the axe, just straight up running at her with the axe. I was like, I loved it. Like just that tracking shot with her in that fight, just constantly being knocked down, but getting right back up until she gets the flamethrower in hand. And it's like, fuck yeah, daddy, we got this (laughs) lighting him up. And they chose the slow motion. I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. It just looked a little bit too CGI for me, the flames. Like, it looked way too fake. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the slow motion had a problem with it, but I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought. No, it totally did. Let's, look, we're, we're also, let's not forget that this film is working, uh, you know, within budget constraints. Like, of course, mm-hmm. uh, the effects there were not looking spectacular. Like, we have to, let's consider the type of film this is that we're watching as well. Oh, yeah. I just, you know, just made me miss, like, you know, real burns in real time. You know, when you get a yep. stuntman and you get them all lathered up and, you know, you set them on fire. Uh, I mean, I didn't but, really mind it too okay. much, but, but yeah. But that being said, because it was a slow motion, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <laughs> I think it might have been at least partially a real burn because you hmm. you saw them uh, wearing the protective, you know, slather shit on, on, on their body and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely saw it, but I don't really know how much they used of it. Because it's just, it, again, it was just CGI flame. You know, maybe it was half real, half CGI. I mean, it, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything, honestly. But the thing is, is that he took the mask off uh, with the beard and the hair and left that behind. Why do we have to have a five-minute fucking scene, like, just focused on that? I was like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. I'm like, no, oh, no, we're still here. We're still here. I was like, this is Halloween 2. 
<laughs> yeah, and because they were taking so long, I was thinking, oh, and now the credits are going to roll, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> but, like, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's, it's still moving on because we have Brenda being saved by Aubrey, and they run outside, and yes, the, the station's burning down, but they survive. And, and obviously, Killer Santa uh, escaped. You know, somehow he managed to put himself out and, and go out of there. Um, and then we cut to a, oh, a, the makeup isn't very good, but it's a badly burned man in a pickup truck. And that's where I had a problem with this is, like, they don't have any kind of sense of, like, when this takes place. Like, it can't be, yeah. like, the next day. Like, it can't be, like, because those burn wounds look like they healed already. So it's like, oh, okay, fine. You know, he's, he's, this is obviously the killer because he's burned and he's sitting in a pickup truck on the outskirts of Cryer, so he's leaving. But I could have used a little fucking plot card saying, you know, one year later or, you know, a couple months later, something to, to put us in a time frame where he could be healed like that and, and just deciding now to leave town. Because he's wearing like a button-down shirt, but it's short-sleeved. It feels very spring, feels very summery when he's deciding yeah. to leave. So I was like, where the, fuck, where the fuck was he hiding, you know? For all these months, you know, and, and avoiding avoiding detection from from uh, Aubrey, who obviously is going to want her fucking revenge because he disappeared from the station. But we have to cut to the flashback to the night that the jilted husband decided to set everybody on fire because the officer that responded that night was her dad, and her dad had the unfortunate uh, honor of taking down this killer flamethrower Santa. And unfortunately, his son was watching from the truck the entire time, and that was the reason for this particular guy's uh, revenge. Um, And he decides in that moment moment he's leaving prior, and we don't know what his destination is because we never got a Silent Night 2, which is fine because this movie doesn't need a sequel. I think it's kind of cool just to see the killer drive off. You know, he survives. You don't know where he's going, and that's it. You know, we don't need more adventures of, of evil burnt Santa. Uh, I think it was just perfect the way that it was. I think everything about this movie just really resounded well. And I think it's one of those movies that, yeah, if you're looking for holiday horrors, I mean, this is one that's modern and it's one to put on. Yeah, man. I, I Again, I had a great time with it. I, I really did. <laughs> because, yeah, I own like, it. Like I said, they, yeah. No, I do too, but I, I already owned it before you made the pick. So... I mean, I already had the DVD before you told me that, but I don't know. It's just, it's one of those movies, like I said at the beginning. It doesn't take itself seriously. It has fun. It's got a lot of gore. It's got nudity. You know, it's got over-the-top acting. It's what I wanted Halloween Kills to be. You know, I, I went in hoping that Halloween Kills would kind of have that same sense of, like, hey, we're having fun, winking at the camera every now and then, kind of like Halloween 5 did. Even though Halloween 5 is not a good movie, um, you know, it's a fun movie to watch because you don't really have to pay attention to it. It's just, it's silly. It's over the top, the acting's really bad. Donald Pleasant's a drunk the entire time. But you can still have fun with it. And I think sometimes those movies need to happen. You don't have to make everything so serious. So I was, that's why I was glad to watch Silent Night, because it's a movie that's just like, dude, we're here to fucking have fun. You know, we're not going to make it a dark fucking movie where a kid's being tortured and all of a sudden he decides to become a killer Santa. Like, even Silent Night Deadline, I had fun with it. Like, you know, yeah, it, it could be dark if you look at it that way, but it's funny. Like, it's, it's, it's stupid. Like, he's set off because he has to become Santa and Ira's toys and just decides to punish people. It's great. <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies punish. that you can just put on, and it's got a horrifically <laughs> bad love sequence where two naked people are just kind of touching each other and not doing anything. But other than that, it's ah. a nice one. Mm. Go ahead, Joel. <laughs> oh, no, I just went, mm, sex. 
mm-hmm. touching. So, uh, ooh la la. So, all right. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Oh, that's that's <laughs> <too>. <laughs> I had a flashback for a second. <laughs> all right. So, with that being said, uh, Dean, it is your pick next week. What do you have for us? What are we watching? It is my pick next week, and I have to say that I have never picked uh, a theme, like a holiday-themed film ever for our show before, uh, be it the Christmas no. season uh, or Valentine's Day or any of the other uh, holidays where there might be a horror film associated with it. But I think that it is time for me to enter into the realm of uh, holiday themed horror, and I'm sitting here in this very moment. Uh, I had my pick uh, set to go, and I am going to announce my pick tonight, so I don't want to disappoint anybody, but I had my pick ready to go, and then another film uh, (laughs) came on my radar, and I am locked here right now in a deadly debate um, of which films uh, should uh, be the pick. Uh, So anyway, they're both on Shutter, and I have I think I've made my decision, and the only reason that I'm going uh, in this direction that I'm going right now is because I'm pretty sure uh, on last week's show uh, that our very own monkey uh, made fun of my picks uh, from the land of France. So uh, we are once again going to return to France next week uh, for Thanksgiving card. Uh, 1989's uh, French Christmas Thanks, horror monkey. movie called uh, Deadly Games. That's a great one. All right. Uh, it's yeah. also known as Dial Code Santa Claus, uh, but it's also oh. known as Deadly Games uh, from 1989, yep. and it is currently on Shutter. Yes, it is. It's a Renee Manzor movie. Oh, yeah, you're really going French. Dial Code Santa Claus, which was lost to time. For a long time, thanks to Shutter, they brought yes. it back. This movie kind of disappeared, yes, and they all. brought it back. And I, I watched it uh, last year for my Christmas movie viewing. I watched uh, Deadly Games, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So let's keep the happy horror days going uh, next week with Deadly Games, the Dean's pick. All right, thank you for that pick, and we'll see you back here next week, Dean. Yes, very exciting. All right. Thank you so much. And Monkey, once again, thank you so much for your input on the movie for tonight, Silent Night. And we'll see you back here next week for Deadly Games. Oh, oh, oh. thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. All right. And Ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. So enthusiastic. Mm. <laughs> because she just can't wait to go back to France to watch Deadly Games. Oh, it's a Christmas. Uh-huh. Yeah, we oui, oui. Christmas underneath a tree. And it's a Zed Claus movie. Poo poo, we oui. So, yeah. So, as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to tonight's episode where we return next week with the Dean's pick of Deadly Games. We'll see how that goes. But most of all, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. We'll see you back here next week.